Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Cinedome's podcast, Cinephiliacs, where movie making becomes practical magic. I'm your co-host, Daniel Scott DeJess, and with me is... AK, hey guys. The founder of Kiro Pictures. Hey, AK, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be here again for round two. Round two, everybody. Hey, you know, we have a really cool guest on today. We do. Do you want to know who it is? Yes. Uh, everyone, uh, please uh, bring your attention to the other side of the room. Uh, this person has written, directed, and produced two short films. Um, he actually has recently joined the union, so congrats on that. And he's got financial stability in the Florida film industry, which, uh, for those of you also in the Florida film industry, know that that's a pretty high regard. It's that's the Jerome Bauer, everybody. Round of applause. Yeah, well, welcome, Jerome. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for taking my S again. Just want to clarify. Did I hit, did I hit Bowers? <laughs> oh, my God. That was subconsciously. Yes, yes. That's hilarious. But it's changed in your phone. So it is changed in my phone. Uh, for everybody wondering, uh, I thought his last name was Bowers yeah. uh, originally. So that's just landed in my head So it's just Bauer. It correct. No, it's Bowers. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually, I said it with an apostrophe S. So oh. it was Bowers. Yeah. Like all the accomplishments I list are his. Yeah, it's a very Got it. funny yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, Love thanks being for being here. here. Great. Yeah. Well, it's good you're doing great. Because yeah. if you weren't, you know, we could talk about that a little bit. But that's not what this podcast is yeah, made for. No. Um, so we're going to hop right in here. Um, how did you get started in the filmmaking industry? So it started really when I was four. I mean, that's really the birth of all of this. Um well, not the birth of you. Well, no, of course not. That's birth of four years okay. before that. That's, that's before, before the current timeline. And so uh, my grandfather came over, actually, and he brought over some old VHS tapes. And um, I was one of those Star Wars kids. I watched Star Wars, and then that was just kind of it. I, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the magic of movie making was, but I knew that that's something that, you know, it just spoke to me. And so my mother, in fear of, you know, oh, is Star Wars violent? There's delimbing and all this crazy stuff going on. I need to sit him down and make him watch the making of the original trilogy. So she sat me down and watched it. I was more glued to that than I was glued to watching the original trilogy. And it just spoke to me on such a spiritual level that since then, you know, I didn't know how to pursue it. But, you know, throughout school, throughout college and, uh, you know, extracurricular programs, I just kind of stuck with it. And then I would say really by my final semester of college, I went out to Los Angeles. I worked at a casting agency, Beverly Holloway Casting directed a TV pilot, which unfortunately COVID murdered, so rest in peace. Um, and I did a lot of other stuff while I was out there, and I really learned that there was a, a, a working engine, a machine to this industry, and that there was more inner machinations that I needed to understand. So then when I came back from college and graduated, I was like, well, I need to start making stuff of my own, stuff that I can put my name on that I'm proud of, and also be able to work at a pace where other people will want me on the stuff that they're putting their name on. So, so you... you I Real quick, yeah, you, you mentioned something. Um, you talked about spirituality. Well, that was exactly what I was going to bring. <laughs> yeah. Up. Yeah, Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so what's that like? How's explain how what that is, and how has that influenced your your path in filmmaking? Has it been hard to navigate, or what's? No, I've I've kept things simple. But what um, I will say is that when you find something you truly love, it it grabs you. And that's kind of it. And if you resist it, I mean, you can try, but I mean, you'll you'll fail and you'll fall into it. And that that to me is what movies did. And then you know, finding that spirituality in what I do made it all the more meaningful. I think, especially 
looking it, at. See, it's interesting because most people don't classify, you know, a great film. Like when I would watch Spielberg movies, I would always say it's really magical, but I wouldn't ever say it was spiritual. So it's interesting that you've classified it, you know, in that way. Well, um, I, is it, is it, do you classify it that way because it's something, the, the craft of what you saw, it moves your spirit, you know? Absolutely. That's definitely okay. one way of putting it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we're, we, at least I've had conversations with people where it's like, if you're going to survive in this industry, if you want to, you know, be okay and have a good time in this industry to survive, um, is you have to have some type of connection. Right. Uh, and I think everyone kind of finds that everyone that can be successful has to find some type of whether it's spiritual or magic or faith or mm. whatever it is for each of us. Um, I think we have to find that if you want to succumb to some type of success in this in this industry. Yeah. Why are you well, I'm just thinking of Bar <laughs> a Bardo again, not to plug Bardo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is from the yeah. last. So um, I don't know if you've seen the film Bardo. It's, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, um, not yet. So it's, it, we're doing our favorite picks. Um, so it's Alejandro Erito's uh, new film. You know, he won the Oscar for Birdman and Revenant. And uh, uh, I was telling them, they're like, how would you describe it? I was like, it is the purest example of um, – uh, cinematic art that I've seen in probably the last like seven years. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of metaphorical imagery. It was the messaging was, I thought was really deep. Um, so, you know, when you bring up, I didn't think about it in, at that time, but when you bring up, you know, it was, it was something that really, really moved me. Like I watched, there's this, this one scene in the film where you, you find out the, the uh, two main characters, it's a you know, husband and wife. The husband's a journalist, and uh, the wife has a miscarriage, right? And so right. they have these metaphorical uh, scenes where, like, one scene, like, the baby is trying to come out but decides to go back up. Like, he, like, comes out, and then he, like, retreat, retreats back into the woman's uh, private areas. And then, um, you know, so, but there's this really beautiful scene where, um, they're at the beach, and uh, the the wife is holding this like really ornate like cup, and there's this little baby in this like cushion, and the baby's asleep, and so she goes inside and picks up the baby with her hand and puts it down into uh, the sand, and then the baby starts to crawl like a like a turtle into the into the ocean, and then the the baby like gets swept up by the waves, and then. You know, it's this really beautiful scene of this baby, like, kind of, like, being taken away. And then it does the cut to her, and then she's dumping the, the you know, the ashes of mm. this of this kid. And it was, like, the whole film was filled with stuff like that. And I just thought it was so, Spiritual. it was so creative. I mean, it was just so creative. But the messaging, you know, the creativity mixed, paired with the, the messaging, it really, really moved me, you know, on a, on a spiritual level. So Whoa. that's interesting that you you know, characterized it that way. Do you feel like you've seen the movie now with that description? I've seen part of it. But yeah, I yeah. Catch it. It's <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. been on my list. I, it's yeah, so bad. I, you'll I, like it. I, I go through so many dry spells. Like, I'll, I'll go through a month where it's like I've seen two movies a day and I'm really religious about it. And then, you know, I go through like a two-month spell where it's like I've seen one movie and I feel really bad about Yeah, that. but there's so much content out yeah, there now. Really that like, like, you have to pick and choose where you're going to put your time in 
in everything, especially if you're even working in this industry, because as we all know, the hours you have to put in uh, uh, to work in this industry, you know, sometimes you you don't get time to sleep, st- <laughs> yeah, to to actually stay up and watch content uh, or stay up with it, I should say. Um, so it's uh, it's funny that you. We were talking about your accomplishments earlier before before we started, and you didn't mention that you directed a pilot uh, in LA. You, it feels like you uh, didn't mention it because you were like, "Oh, it didn't come, like it didn't come to air." But uh, I think we're all aware of how often that can happen. So to even say, "I feel like that you've directed a pilot," uh, then that's an accomplishment, um, at least in my eyes. I, I don't know. Uh, well, didn't you you one of your questions defining you know oh, that's a successful. Filmmaker. That is such a good segue. It's such a good segue. Almost as if I read my mind. It's almost as if I saw your your topic outline. (laughs) It's almost like you knew where I was uh, segueing that question. Yeah. So I, you know, the question is, you know, would you like? How do you define being a successful filmmaker? And that that is a specific question. Um, Do you define success as having a project that has been completed or just distributed? You know, I mean, I would say both are integral and both are, you know, very nice steps for me personally. Success as a filmmaker is being attached to a project. Maybe it's not even necessarily has to be mine, but something that I'm proud of and something that does get made. And then from there, who knows what its journey is. But yeah, I think that's that's a good uh, that's a good mindset. I mean, I wasn't obviously the the director of or anything on 115 grains but i feel like that's an accomplishment for myself in terms of yeah we finished it yeah i mean we we finished a a full movie so when you have it where you're attached to these projects uh and they they've at least come to completion Hmm. in some form or fashion i think that's a pretty good degree of success that's a must be it's very painful point i think for a lot of filmmakers though because it's you know i my first uh feature um at 18 and not only that i was an extra on a ben stiller um, film. Oh wow! Way to brag. No, 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 no. Well, I was an extra, and it was cool. It was cool. It's called the Mark Pease Experience, and um, it didn't get finished for like many, 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 many years. And my first feature in uh, college, Far From Home, which was awful. It was horrible. It was a horrible. Wait, Far From Home. It was called Far From Home. Are you, are you, are you telling me Spider Man Three stole stole IP related content? Yeah. So it was called Far From Home. They probably did. No, no, it was, they saw they saw your really yeah. crappy short. No, it was a feature. Oh, it was a feature. It was a feature. <laughs> they saw your really crappy feature and was like, "That's a great title." Yeah. No. It was, so it was called Far From Home, and it, you know, I was missing home. I, you know, I was at college, missing family, and it was just about that experience of you know someone that moved away and missed, you know, f- like finding, finding their way back, mm. you know? And, uh, I remember we got a, maybe, uh, like 34 minutes of edited footage. Um, and I blamed it on the producer cause he was a big pothead, but really I just, I didn't know enough about the process to really push it through. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it did. It did really bother me that we didn't ever finish that film. I didn't talk to that. Uh, fellow classmate forever. Does it still bother you? Yeah, it still bothers me. Yeah. Presently, AK is still bothered yeah. by Far From far, far, Far From Complete. That's what far, it should have been. That's what it should have been named. Uh, so it's funny you bring up when you started out, uh, that you kind of started out at, at eight, blah, 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 blah. You started out at 18, um, trying to get into stuff. And the reason I bring that up is because, uh, Jerome, you're, uh, you know, we don't like to necessarily bring up age, but you're, how old are you? 23. 
you're 23. Yeah. Um, wow, so that's to have, so young. So to have, <laughs> so so young. So to have that um, stuff under your belt, you know, the things we talked about, uh, the the pilot, which you didn't even mention, <laughs> but um, to be finding success in this industry at 23, um, you know, I think, especially with stuff you want to be doing, you know, it's not like you're just PAing, you know, production assistant all the time, mm-hmm. all this stuff, and you could be successful in that, but you're actually being trying to find success and, and finding success in the jobs you want to do. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because obviously one of the things you talked about is that you've written, directed, and produced two short films, um, which I think is a pretty good accomplishment um, at at the age you're at. You know. Thank you. Um, I mean, I I haven't even done that. I don't. Well, actually, technically, sorry, not to boast myself. I actually have directed and produced and written uh, two short films. Um, definitely not as good as his. Yeah, let's. That's kind. <laughs> so, that's kind of you. So um, let's dive into the you you had brought up um, the, the the new short film you just finished. So talk about that. So in your name, uh, it's the. Is newest, the title? Yes, it's not. We're title. not like praying here. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, it's a crime thriller. Uh, it has many different. Uh, stylistic and uh, filmmaking uh, inspirations, one of which being this South Korean thriller called Night in Paradise, uh, another American film called Killing Them Softly, Mm -hmm. and a couple others. Uh, I was really drawn to the idea of of making a movie about hitmen and making just kind of what they do, mundane almost, and just almost like for them, it's just the job. It's just like as if you were bagging groceries. It's just another Tuesday. And then take that and then put it into a revenge narrative. Um, but as I was writing, I realized, well, I could just do a revenge movie and just have it be that. And then I thought, well, you know, I don't want to just completely copy John Wick. There needs to be some, you know, level of heart. And, you know, not to say John Wick doesn't. I mean, John Wick is full of it. I mean, a puppy dies and everybody's like, yes, the first kill movie, them all. Yeah, first movie got me. Um, I, feel, I feel like the, the, the wife is dead in that movie already. That was so smart and with we're the dog, just, by the way. we're like... Oh, just another dead wife, and then they kill the dog, and we're like, "Yep, yeah, justified." <laughs> Killed fifty-five people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yep, completely justified. <laughs> Not for your wife, no. for the dog. For the dog. For the dog. The wife might get twenty-five. The dog. I mean, over technically, 100. he did it for the wife because uh, because she was the one that gave him the dog. But yeah, 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 it yeah. was for the dog. It is the dog. Let's, anyway, let's back be real. back back to your back to your movie. Of course. So as I was writing, I realized that. Um, when the movie was nearing production, the script was finished, I realized who I was writing it for. I was writing it for people that I had lost in my life. And so I realized I needed to recut and re-edit, restructure part of the plot and work in some things that, you know, were a nod to certain things like that. I don't want to give anything away. But um, it... So, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No. I was just going to say that, uh, you know, as my last short, Quarter Past Midnight, was very special to me and very personal in another area of my life regarding... Uh, influences on on people and being the company that you keep and becoming that uh, in your name is is more or less about letting go of grief and your way about letting go of grief that road mm. to to letting that go so, so what's so tell so both short films have you they've been personal in in certain ways do you feel like that's gonna be you know, for every film that you direct from here on out, is that gonna is that something that you want to be? You know, find that you know relatability to your own personal truth, or do you feel that if you were given a script that you you know in no way, shape, or form could relate to, like how would you? 
approach. What's I mean, I guess like what's your objective in in directing? I mean, I I absolutely feel more attached to things that I write because I'm writing what I know, I'm writing what I've felt over my life, things I've remembered, things I've experienced. So I think that is primary, but I would never ever shut out the opportunity to direct something that somebody else writes and I would think that that is in a in a separate different way but also beautiful way and honor in itself because somebody is trusting me to bring their vision on the page, you know, into live action. So I'd be honored to do that too. So how do you go about doing that? You find a, a script, say someone, like I give you a script that's about, I don't, we don't know each other that well, but you know, give you a script that's just 180 from your belief systems yeah, and mean, everything. How do you go about approaching? Let's say it's a, uh, I don't know, a family friendly romantic comedy. Kind of, kind of a direct opposite of the of, of the film you kind of mentioned, and a little bit in the, in the terms of the vibe. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I would I would just do my best to understand you, and I think once I connect with you, then I can figure out how this movie is supposed to stick on screen. Then, are we talking about yeah. me as the writer? Yeah, that's what I was yeah. gonna say. Yeah. Okay. Got so it. Okay. The yeah. writer. Okay. I would. Yeah, I would make it my priority to understand you and understand you know why you wrote what you wrote, because then that will help inform me how I'm gonna direct this thing and put it together. Do you think those conversations happen now? Between directors and writers? I hope they do. I think they should. Because I think if strangers are just exchanging, you know, little post-it notes across a desk and then a boardroom sees it and then you have a movie, where's the heart, where's the soul? It's not there. Nobody's going to care. So for me, I think those important questions, those those conversations are of the utmost importance because then that's where, that's where the minds get together and make something that they're actually truly proud of, you know? Mm-hmm. So. What... Um... Have you, are you, do you have any projects coming up where you have like a separate, a writer where it's not your material that you're, not, you know? Not yet, but I, I would love that. I'd love to find, you know, a person or people that I think really jive with what I do and that I actually compliment them and I find that and then we can. So what do, you th- what do you, uh, what do you think about, what is that relationship between a director and a writer? How, how should that look? It's almost like two conductors. I mean, they're two conductors composing the same symphony, except they're doing it from different angles. It's like you, you take the whole theater, you split it down the half, and one side's the writer and one side's the director. And, you know, in a strange way, you know, one is happening before the other, but both are incredibly important. You don't have a movie without either. So I would I would define it as, as two halves of a whole. Uh, one comes before the other, of course, but, um, yeah, that's what I would say. How much, I mean, how much time do you think would you know, you'd need to spend with, you know, a writer before. So you're given a script. Let's just say budget wasn't a thing in an ideal world. And you're like, you could, you had certain asks, right? What would, would you say, hey, I want to have 30 days with this writer just to kind of get in, like, obviously I'm going to look at the material. I'm going to go over this. I'm going to know the lay of the land with the script. But would that be one of, like, how long would you want to know? What would you do with the writer? Like, let's go on a cruise or, Maybe. You know? I mean, that's not entirely out of the question either. I mean, any any and all things that I can do to get closer with this person, to understand them, their philosophy, their mentality of things, maybe their worldview, you know, all those things are important to me because that informs me why they wrote what they wrote. You know, maybe they wrote something about a certain side character. It's like, well, you know, that's important to me. Why did you write that? Because that informs other things that informs me about who you are and you know i want to be able to do the same thing i want my cards on the table for them to see so any and all activities i mean if it's going to the bar getting dinner going on a picnic i don't know Mm -hmm. you know things like that is 
important to me. Yeah, I yeah. feel like we don't hear about the revelations of uh, of story building coming from a picnic. So I think that really should. Yeah. Where do you think the line is between this. the creative um, responsibility that a director has and the writer? Right. So like you know, you know, obviously you you understand the script. And you now know the writer, but you know how much of your own you know creative freedom do you want to take with with the writing because it may not always you know be exactly the way that they envision i mean it's never going to be no the you know whatever movie you think you're going to make it's going to well, be within a certain flavor yeah, of, I mean, of that but you know it gets made three different times right like one movie is made three different ways right you have the way the yeah. writer is writing it then you have the director mm-hmm. right come in and then really in post-production, whether it's the Yeah, editor, it's made again, yeah. Right, the, how the editor kind of, you know, you hope the director gets final say on that, but the editor obviously is interpreting it in its own way too. So, um, yeah, like where, where, I mean, where do you see the line? Are you just, you know, if you're working with a writer and they're like, this is what I want, do you, like, where do you step in and say, you know, I think that this would be a stronger, you know, moment or can we shift? Do you parlay to them to make that decision out of respect because it's their story or do you say... Look, I mean, look, dude, I'm the director. I mean, I would never, <laughs> I would never come so heavy-handed. I think, I think there's a negotiation, I, and you know, and if you know, like negotiations off the table, then maybe that's just one of those circumstances where yeah. it's like best not to. But I mean, in an ideal world, I would say there has to be some give and take. You know, the writer mm-hmm. has to understand what it costs to make what they've written. The director has to understand how to interpret that to the screen and bring it all together, and then. Right, there's got to be a yeah. nice back and forth. I, I think there should. I mean, for me, okay. I would desi- that would be what I desire. I would desire you know some give and take, and for the writer to understand. Hey, listen, you've written this, and that's going to cost you know way more. Right. Or that's just you know, or I don't know if that fits you know how I'm going to stitch this together. Yeah, well, I think I think it's oh at least for me, I think it's always a great when uh, when you have it's always great when you have a director come in um, and especially if it's this this relationship with the writer right and it's coming in it's like I want to know your ideas right and you're talking about this conversation with the writer but then obviously the writer knows that they're at this point handing it off to the director so the director will take your idea but the writer has to also understand that the director will say no if he wants you know what I mean like because the directs now in the director's hands hmm. I, th- that's the way I think well, about see, it, right? I... and that goes to anyone like cool I like your idea but well, I don't want to use that. Yeah. What what I always find is in, interesting is, you know, um, you know, writing scripts is, you know, you, you've written scripts. Um, it's really creatively, I think it is the most freeing role in any position, right? You can take your imagination in, anywhere, right? And there are no... Uh, there are no restraints. And a lot of professional screenwriters, they're not professional producers. And so they're not always thinking from, and that's why, you know, you're getting, you're hiring these line producers to try and figure out like, holy fuck, how do we, how do we shoot? Like, how much is this? This is a great script, but how, how are we going to do oh, this? Yeah. You know? And so what's inter- always been interesting to me is, you know, screenwriters don't get paid a whole lot of money at all. I mean, comparatively to the filmmaker, you know? So it's like you have, the word, and then you have the person that really, you know, brings that to life. And so, you know, when I always, when I always equate like value, like who has more value in a story, the person that wrote it or the person that made this, you know, brought it to the film medium, you know, 
I don't know. I always kind of follow the paycheck, you know, and it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a screenwriters get offended, but you know, it's much easier, I think, to bust out script after script after script than it is to go out and make a movie. That's why so many of us filmmakers, you know, a lot of times we have so many scripts laying around and we're, you know, we're out shopping them, trying to raise financing because it's, it's so hard, you know, to, to get that film made. And mm -hmm. the people that are, have the ability, the knowledge and the know-how, the connections to source the financing, find the crew, the filmmakers, mm -hmm. you know, I think that that is, uh, you know, I think it, I think it's in a whole nother realm of difficulty. You know, not to say that crafting a great story isn't hard, you know, but if that was the case. Why would so many uh, why mediocre have, films be made? Well, well, yeah, well, <laughs> but also, you know, if that was if that was the case, we would see the conversion from script to film would happen a lot more. Yeah. So. Um, what do you think? You're looking. What do I you're, think? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think yeah, that's just I, my thoughts. No, no, I <laughs> agree with the majority of, of those thoughts. I think yeah. I think. Uh, it's really hard because, yes, it, without the story, you have nothing. So in that sense, you know, what a writer does is sacred. But at the same time, they're just going to be white pages. You know, they're not just, they're just going to yeah. be white pages unless, you know, a, a team of people, collaborative team, bring it together and shop it around and also anticipate markets and trends and what people want to see. Well, I mean, yeah, well, you, you have – I've had those those conversations with uh, – with, uh, my go-to screenwriter, Adam Thede. And, uh, you know, we've written these certain scenes where he's like, this is really important to the story. I was like, dude, not going to happen. It's not going to, we can't do it. Like, I don't have the money to do it. Like, I don't have the... But that the conversation's at least happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, you gotta... That, that conversation of like... I totally agree. You need to have, I mean, you know, you, you, you know how much time someone puts into these these stories and you're, the screen, like I said, screenwriters are not getting paid a whole lot of money. You know, I learned, uh, this was at Sunscreen Film Festival a handful of years ago from Scott Goldberg, who is an entertainment attorney, and he was going over different things. The screenwriter typically will make 1% to 3% of the movie's budget, hmm. you know, for, for the, the script. Um, yeah, if anyone didn't know that. Um, but, but, and that's, those are on, that's on like major budgeted things. So for most projects, the screenwriter is not making I mean he's not making anything and they've spent so many hours with so many rewrites and drafts and and whatnot where they really want to be involved and have you know have a say and then you have the producers on one side that are you know they're fighting and doing all god knows what to seduce people out of their money you know so it's tough it's really it's really it's uh but I think the more that you can communicate with the writer have that relationship um you'll be you know, it'll garner a better, re you know, reputation within the screenwriting community where they're like, he's not going to just change everything. So. I agree with that. Yeah. So uh, I want to I want to move on. Yeah, um, yeah. Hit a couple more things. Um, let me just see. You've got two minutes. What? you got two minutes. Two minutes. Well, well you got, well, that's, that's we. Ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah 100%. I, I see this time. Yeah, okay. Know how yeah, go on for your time. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. Start the Dan, no no Dan, pressure. Uh, Dan, do your job. Um, which I am. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I just want to jump back to In Your Name. Um, obviously, this was your second film. Uh, what was something that you kind of found difficult about it as your second, you know, like, or not necessarily difficult, but, like, something that stood out that 
maybe it challenged you <laughs> or or made it unique experience as your second time, you know, doing this thing. So for short anyway. Of course. So uh, with everything that I do, uh, it needs to be better than the thing that I did before. And it needs to be more ambitious. There needs to be something that is harder. About Hell yeah. Else. I am never going to grow. None of us, anybody would ever grow. Um, so for me, the thing that stuck out the most is obviously there is um, practical effects, uh, special effects, um, use of squibs, uh, which was really fun. Uh, shout out to Carl Huber. Oh, yeah. Amazing guy. Carl Huber Incredible is guy. awesome. Um, he and I collaborated on the set. And I, I, so I, being that I've worked with so many other filmmakers such as you guys, I, I've always wanted to run my set like a set, like a set should be, where there is a respect for department heads and a respect for people that are doing their jobs to make the director's vision come alive. Because without them, there is no movie. Um, so brought Carl on. Uh, as our special effects coordinator. And I, I was like, this is the guy. If, if I don't have him and I don't have his expertise and his knowledge, this movie is not going to look good. It's not going to make any sense with the you know, technical stuff that we're doing for some of these gunfights, which there are some in the movie. And yeah, so, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I just, I just wanted to say that massive shout out to him, massive respect, and that is the thing that um, absolutely was a difference between my first film and this new film. And coordinating that, the safety of that, the logistics of that, um, the ballistics of that, how things would look, translate on screen. Yeah. And it was just, honestly, it was having that conversation with him and deferring to him of, you know, how this is going to look and how it's going to be good. So. Yeah, it kind of shows, uh, at least from what you've, you just said, how important it is where there, if you're going to have VFX or special effects hmm. um, in a movie, you know, how is it going to be done of quality yeah. for the story? You know, and obviously safety when you're doing practical effects, mm. like you talked about. But um, I think that's always interesting of a challenge anytime, especially nowadays when you're you're seeing a lot of a lot of CGI and VFX being brought into things, mm. and and how it can be utilized the right way. Yeah, and well, also this. It's interesting. It's interesting how every story has like one or two main challenges, mm. right? You're like, you know, like with yours, it was the 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 FX. With 115 grains, it was freaking cop cars and wardrobe. <laughs> like, we had a mishap with uh, the law enforcement agencies involved, and so I ended up having to buy uh, some cop cars for the film. And it was like four weeks out, and I was like, "We're making a cop movie. We don't have cop cars." Um, so it's interesting how you can look at a story from a producing element and say, "You know, this is going to make or break the film if we don't freaking get this." We're like this is this movie's gonna be in a whole nother game, so. All right, um, I want to move on to really quickly. I just want to talk about. Obviously, we stated that you joined the union recently, and as someone that uh, has been in Florida, you know, working in the film, Florida film industry, hmm. uh, if you can just kind of briefly talk to us about how that journey was going from non-union, non-union to union in the Florida film industry. Absolutely. Um, I would just say that I'm very grateful to 477, which is my local. Um, I, working on set, went, jumped from PA to art department, and that was kind of a thing that just happened. Like, if I'm not writing, directing, acting, I'm doing crew and working art department. It's the department that I've, I've found myself to really enjoy and really respect. Uh, there's a lot of hard work that happens uh, in those departments. Um, so I, I did this Amazon TV show uh, in 2021 called Life's Rewards Season 2. And uh, I met uh, some really amazing people on that project, and I just busted my ass to, you know, 
show that I was ready. And uh, I kind of fell into art department by accident, really, um, and then found that I really enjoyed it and just kept working on thing, little things here and there, you know, set dresser, you know, eventually, you know, prop assist, uh, did prop master, set decorator, stuff like that. And then um, then came a point where I was invited and uh, by a good friend of mine, Joe Torres. And uh, I was like, yeah, now's the time. It just makes sense. And, you know, I want to be able to operate and work on, you know, bigger shows with, you know, more of a rigorous, you know, schedule and, you know, a rigorous crew and projects and whatnot and just learn. Because if it's, you know, if I'm if I'm stuck doing little things, I'm never going to understand how to operate on a bigger set, yep. you know, and I, I'm going to lag behind. I don't want to do that. So it just seemed like the right thing to do. Uh, I was financially ready for it. Um, and uh, I've learned I've learned a lot since joining. I mean, I'm, I've, I've really only been in just a couple months. So it's been... Well, congrats, yeah. Yeah, to, congrats to, on, to being on the, the union. There's, you know, Florida, you know, is a primarily a non-union it's a right to work right state, state. Yeah. you know, and so there's, Yay. yeah, Florida. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but so many of us, you know, I, I can, uh, I know from the acting standpoint, you know, there's a lot of actors that go sag and then they end up regretting it because mm. there's not enough, you know, consistent quality union work here. Mm. So um, anytime I hear someone that's, you know, it's like, hey, I'm getting enough work. I'm in the union. I'm living here in Florida. I'm living the dream, guys. Like, yeah, I think that's cool. So, congrats. That's Thank really you. great. Um, I appreciate that. that kind of transitions into uh, one of our last main topics. Um, I just wanted to hit on, since we're talking about working in Florida, you know, the Florida film climate, and uh, and my and migrating talent here, which you kind of brought up, hmm. um, Jerome. How how do we feel like it's good migration? You know, people migrating here, or is it feeling like we're still in that stagnant? I wouldn't say stagnant. I would say it's gradual. I, I would say that, you know, it, and I would also just attach to this, my hope is that we start to see more of a growth because there is such immense talent. I mean, I I mean, really, I joined this industry fully and, you know, really committed myself to it like two and a half years ago. And in that time, I've met so many, I mean, you guys, Tim over there, I mean, I met so many amazing people that are so incredibly talented in this in this Florida industry. And I, I think to myself every day, why? You know, why is there not more happening here with all this talent that's here? And I, you know. Well, it's, that's, what's cr- that's what's crazy. Yeah. You know, this this journey of, um, so I've been here um, back in the St. Pete area, St. Petersburg, Tampa area for four years and going to sunscreen and everything. And what always blew my mind was going to the film festivals. You know, we have sunscreen, which is once a year. It's not enough. And every time I would go, I would always meet new people. I'd see familiar faces. I'm like, okay, they didn't move. How do I not know this person? Who's this person? And what you come to find out about our community is we're very, we're extremely segregated here, where there's all these pockets of talents, these like little, I don't want to say clicks, but they're clicks where, you know, you have the major production companies in the area who have their like go to um, people that they're hiring. And then you have all these other people that they're like, just like, floaters they're just searching to find uh meaning and fulfillment Mm. they're just they want they're so hungry for opportunity Mm. you know and so that's why thank you for being on on the the podcast that's the hope of this podcast is not only to build the the uh, filmmaking community here but everywhere you know because what you come to find out is there's a lot of similarities there's you know people out in la 
that they're tired of constantly working on on PA stuff or, you know, they're out in Atlanta and they didn't come from any sort of financial background where, you know, they could invest in a red camera or whatever, just start booking these gigs. And so, you know, what ends up happening is like you have all these people, you have like 95, 90 percent of people and they're outside the gates of of filmmaking and, and they're they're diehard, you know, they're ready to work. So all right, guys, we're going to head into our last two topics, speed round. Perfect. Finish it out. <laughs> um, so really quick, uh, we have the Cinephiliacs Movie Club. Um, so we're going to quickly go around, say a movie we uh, recommend that we've seen in the last 90 wow, days. I already gave mine away. And uh, you don't have to say the same movie, but a movie you've okay. seen recently and a one-word sentence as to why people should watch it. Got it. Awesome. Do you need a second? I, the problem is, is why, how can I choose one? Okay, I, I have mine. Okay. Hey, I picked Puss in Boots in the last episode, so um, that's iconic. I think you can Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. All right, just saying that because the, the sequel's better than that's the first one. That's anyway, go ahead. Fun. You can be you can you can top that. Uh, I would say The Fablemans. Um, please go see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. It is if if you love movies, if you love making magic, um, go go watch it. It is it is looking into. Uh, the past of one of the greatest ever, um, and his his you know journey, finding you know finding his place in it as a young man. So and I think I think you know regardless of who you are where you come from I think everybody should probably watch that movie. Yeah, so we'll just count that as a really long run on sentence. Sorry. Thank yeah, you. yeah. But speaking of which, any filmmaker that doesn't go see Fableman, it's upsetting to me. It really uh -oh. bothers me as a filmmaker. Uh -oh. Like you might be upset with me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say Stutz, the documentary by Jonah Ooh, Hill. Good pick. Yeah, I watched that recently, and um, it's, it's, a, it's a documentary that Jonah did on his, um, his therapist, Phil Stutz, out in L.A., and I actually, the tools that were communicated in that documentary, I've been using a few of them. So um, really, I think it's uh, a must-watch. Must it was really good. Good job, Jonah. God, it's like he's like two for two now, uh, mid-90s and then... Stutz. Yeah, you, he's, uh, he's, you're doing good, Jonah. That was a really great. And you're looking great, too. That was a really great one sentence. Thank you. Yeah. Um, my pick is The Menu. Okay. That was easy. Uh, yeah. So this movie, oh, I have to do one sentence. Uh-oh. Um, if you thought originality was dead in movies, you have not seen this movie. I feel like that's spicy that was, spicy. That was, that was super sexy all right guys our last thing this is take one it is where we do quick hot takes on rating movies so over time yeah we'll be fine don't worry about we, it we won't we'll run out with mandy no we're, don't worry about you're it you're not crushing it right now uh we're just doing really quickly come on all right, you're, go ahead. you're all actually right, go, wasting time okay go ahead go all ahead. right so it's called take one uh it's where we uh i'm gonna list movies really quickly and you guys are gonna say over or under you can't got pick it. neutral got Judge. it go all right here we go ready uh the matrix over over goodfellas under, under. yeah under uh seven under over i don't know maybe that that should be put in the box uh seven samurai under. Yeah, under. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Over. Under. Ooh. Talk about that, people. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, The Silence of the Lambs. Over. Under. Ooh. <laughs> to let us know why in the comments why one of them is wrong. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, 
that is the end of yeah. episode two of Cinodome's Cinephiliacs podcast. Um, yeah, my name is Daniel Scott DeJess, and my co-host, aka founder of Kiro Pictures, and of course, another round of applause for our esteemed guest, Jerome Bauer. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jerome. This is a blast. Where can we find you? And what's up within your name? So, inner name is circling out to festivals now. Trailer's coming soon. Next, within the week. Trailers, posters, all the promotional stuff. And then you can find me. God, I'm not a social media person, so this is a poor form. You can find me at drum.bowers.28 on Instagram. Sweet. We'd love the follows, and we'd love to talk to you guys. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. At him. And send him some scripts so we can find uh, maybe someone to collaborate with. Please. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This has been, I'm looking at wrong cameras, Cinedome's (laughs) Cinephiliacs podcast, where movie making becomes practical magic. See you guys.